Welcome back to another episode of Overtired. I'm your host, Christina Warren. And I'm Brett Terpstra. It's great to be with you, Christina. It's great to be with you, Brett. Like we, we've promised, as we always do and as we always lie, oh, we're going to do this more regularly. Um, this uh, most recent um, delay I, was my fault because I was off of a, a, um, a, a delayed flight and uh, I just couldn't do delayed it. Delayed because of um, uh, unholy storms, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was in New York City, I guess now it is like two weeks ago, and um, for the week for a conference, and I was supposed to come back on a, on a Friday, and I ended up not being able to come back until Sunday morning. And I woke up, I was, New York wasn't that bad, um, although I almost was in Boston where it was terrible. Like I literally almost got on a train to go to Boston to speak at some event at Harvard and I ended up not doing it. And I'm glad I didn't because I literally would have gotten off of the train into the unholy terror that was the storm and then, you know, stuck in a hotel room for who knows how long before I, you know, could have, uh, uh flown back, um, and then, you know, I believe the event was canceled, so it would have been like a lose for everyone. But no, but I woke up on Friday morning in New York and I looked out the window and it was snowing sideways. Um, I was staying in Times Square and I had a, I, I like, I was like, huh, okay, well, that's interesting. And then I looked at my email and both the good and the creepy part of working for a large company is that if you book your travel um, through them, they know where you are. And so they send out like alerts saying you're in this area of this storm, <laughs> um, here numbers, here things, be careful, uh, which, you know, is, uh, again, both useful, but also creepy. Yeah. Um, so I, so I call American express travel and I'm like, I'm going to need to change my flight. And they're like, well, your flight's not canceled and you check in more than four hours from now. I'm like, I understand that. I'm looking out the window. This flight's going to be canceled. They're like, well, are you sure? And I'm like, I can see the snow. They're like, well, there might be a change fee. And I'm like, I don't care. I need to change the flight. And so they call me back. They call Delta. And at this point, like the airlines had all said, oh yeah, no, we're waiving the change fees. So I, so they call back and they're like, yeah, you can, you can change your flight. And then sure enough, it was one of those things. I kept looking at the um, alerts for the the flight after I changed it they kept people in the airport for three hours only then to cancel the flight. So I was like, yeah, see, this was, this was a good move. Um, <laughs> to like not be stuck in the airport for three hours only then to have to have the flight canceled. Cause I knew like looking out the window, like it got better and worse throughout the day, but I was like, no, this, this is not going to be a thing. Um, but then, after I, you know, it, it was a whole, you know, like it was, it was a whole thing getting back. Anyway, it was, it sucked. Have you ever had that happen after you've boarded? So you're stuck on the tarmac for three hours? Oh yeah. Yeah. And the flight did actually take off thankfully, but yes, I was actually once on a, a flight actually out of JFK. It was in January. So it was, it was also in New York, um, leaving to go to CES and it was not a direct flight, um, which wound up being a good thing. Cause I believe all the direct flights were canceled and I was on the tarmac for three and a half hours, I think, before they finally let us take off. And so I obviously missed my connection. And then I had to, you know, get, um, a, uh, you know, another one. And I, I wound up in Vegas still basically before most of my colleagues, because any of them that had direct flights were basically canceled. And, um, until the next day, um, all of CES that year was kind of weird because of that, because, 
you know, everybody from New York, many people came in delayed. But yeah, um, I'll never forget that because it was three and a half hours and we weren't allowed to get up. Like it wasn't one of those things where they could use service or you could use the bathroom or whatever. Like you had to like sit there like with your seatbelt on for three and a half hours. Yeah. Nope. Been there. I had ever, ever, have I ever told you my worst story? Like the, the Vegas airport story? No, but I have a bad one too. So I want to hear yours. I'll keep it short, but through a series of unfortunate events, I ended up spending 14 hours in the Las Vegas airport. Oh God. And while I did come out ahead on the slots, because like you could sit at the airport and play slots in Vegas. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what else are you going to do for 14 they hours? They don't serve free drinks while you're playing, but it, it still, it, it's a it's a time killer. Um, I'm good at quitting when I'm ahead. And then, yeah, so I came out about $180 ahead on the slots, which not bad for slots on international rules. Anyway, uh, that then messed up the rest of my travel plans. I ended up additionally spending a night in Minneapolis and eventually made it home the next day, two days late. It was, oh my it was gosh. not fun. But I can't, there is, there is one gate in Minneapolis that has uh, available rollout beds. And if you make friends with enough gate people, you will eventually learn where that is. And I'm not going to give away the secret, but there is one. So now you know to ask if you ever get stuck in Minneapolis, which happens, you know, snow happens. Um, so it's good to know. And Minneapolis is a Delta hub. So, you know, depending on what airline you're on, like, you know, you, you could be stuck there. That's really good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I was stuck once in, I think it was Charlotte. I was supposed to be going to Dallas. And then something just happened to the plane. And it was, it was like a United flight or something, I think it was, or US Airways. It was terrible. And they like made me stay in some flea back motel, you know, the next day. Um, I had a meeting. The whole reason I was going to Dallas was, was to meet with Samsung and see some store concept that they were doing with Best Buy. And so I got there, but I was like a day late. So I had to do mine with, with, uh, with, with Ina Freed from, uh, uh, at the time she was at, uh, at recode. Um, and now she's at, uh, uh, Axios. And, um, and that was, that was lovely. Ina's great, but it was, it was one of those things where I was like, I was supposed to arrive at this time. And like, I got to Charlotte and they were like, yep, flight's been canceled. Nothing we can do. And it's 9 PM and, and there's no other flights going out. I was like, okay, well I need to be on a flight like immediately. Cause at first they were like, Oh, well we can get you on a five o'clock flight back tomorrow. I'm like, no, uh, that's, I will already be back in New York by five tomorrow. Like I need to be on like a 5 a.m. Um, I had to kind of throw a temper tantrum, but 14 hours in the Vegas airport. And that's not a good airport. That's the thing. Like it's smoky ish, even though you're not allowed to smoke, it still like feels like it is. Or no, maybe you are allowed to smoke. Actually uh, there, in there, is a, there was at least at that time, and this was years ago, but there was a, uh, like section in the middle that was probably as much floor space as the rest of it, but it was glass enclosed smoking area. And yeah, it it looked like a a vaporizer, just like smoke rising up out of it to the fans at the ceiling, two stories tall. It was, yeah, a chamber of smoke. Speaking of hotels, I once, I think I was traveling with AOL at the time and it was outside of Austin during South by, and they put us in like, uh, we we registered late, so there weren't a lot of options. So we were in this Econo Lodge about 20 minutes out of town. And 
I got in and I thought, first thought, that's a weird uh, uh, creative shell pattern they did with the uh, the bathtub. <laughs> Very bohemian. Then I realized those were like cigarette burns, literally creating a oh my pattern God. around the <laughs> around the tub. I was uh, I was woken at uh, about two a.m. by what I assumed was a murder outside my door. Uh, two two guys in a fist fight. One of them slammed up against my door. Got up in the morning. There's blood on my door and on the sidewalk. And oh, it, yeah, that it, that was fun. That poss- possibly the worst. Well, there was one hotel I stayed in after missing a flight home from the Dominican Republic. It was in the U.S. Mm. in like a contiguous U.S. and I don't remember New York maybe. Um, no, no, wouldn't make sense. I, I don't remember what city we were in, but the room was so gross. We actually asked for a clean sheet to lay over the comforter and then just slept on top of it in our clothes. <sighs> yeah. Uh... That, that was the room that the airport comped us. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say I've only had to be in the airport comps room once and it was it was I, it wasn't that bad, but it was one of those things where I was like I'm not taking my clothes yep. off. Like, you know, cuz you can and just then tell you you're don't like, sleep cuz you're just waiting for something to crawl over you. You are and you're just like am I going to go back with with, with bed bugs? <laughs> like is, is this what happens? Is this how I've avoided this all this time? Is this how this happens? Is this how I'm the one who infects my company? Cuz you always read about yep. those stories or actually you hear about them like um, it happened, thankfully, after I left Mashable. But one of the interns, I have to assume, um, that's probably wrong of me, but it, it, it's it's what I'm going to assume anyway. Like somebody infected the office with bed bugs and they like got in the furniture and they had to replace, you know, like the, the, the cushions and all that stuff. And then they had to fumigate and they didn't tell people why it happened, which to me is the unconscionable part. Like if you've got bed bugs, like that's embarrassing. I get it, blah, 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 blah. But these things happen. But you got to fucking tell people so that they can get their own shit together. You know what I mean? So they can like investigate themselves because it does become like an insurance issue. If, if you brought, you know, depending on, on, you know, where you live and and who covers and that sort of thing. So did you ever, did you watch Schitt's Creek? It was was not the office at that point. Yes. You remember the lice episode where the guy was like trying to hide that he was treating himself for lice. That was, yeah. Yes. That's just, uh, that. that's where I went. The funny thing is, (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, and I understand that. It was funny because lice is like one of those. It's not that contagious, sort. You know what I mean? Like it is, but, but it's it's not like it's gross and it's terrible. And I'm certainly not saying it's okay. And that episode was really funny, but like it's it's not like bed, bed bugs where like you literally have to like ruin every. Like you've got to like and you know quarantine and fumigate and yeah yeah. I think intern is another word for um, scapegoat. I honestly like they get, yeah, but they're I, super careful. These yeah. are kids that are like at the beginning of their careers. They want to make a good impression. They're super, but they still get blamed it, for everything. Well, except they live in New York city really cheap because they're getting That's paid $10 fair. an hour. So you're thinking about how many roommates do they have? We do, we do also blame poor people. That stuff. <laughs> okay. Fair. So in this case, I'm playing, well, from what I understand, someone blamed an intern, um, said that he looked dirty. Which again is 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 a is a blame thing. So I don't I don't even know. I don't I, I didn't work there at the time. I worked downstairs, but I heard about it and I was like, and I told like uh the 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 Gizmodo uh like uh you know um uh, building uh guy Will. I was like Will. I was like fourteen fifteen has bed bugs. Watch out. He was like, 
shit. He was like, we do not need that. I was like, no, we don't. <laughs> so we were like put up high alert. Cause again, that's the sort of thing like the rest of the building should know, but no, they were like trying to keep it on the down. They're like, okay, everybody work from home today. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, you got to bite the bullet on that. People. people do need to know. I mean, I think they eventually did, but I mean, this is of course like the HR, like bitch from hell. Um, she's never gonna hear this and I don't care if she does, uh, care you suck. Um, so I yeah. feel like the zombie apocalypse happens that way. Like, like the CDC yeah, is trying to keep things too. under wrap. We don't want people to panic. We don't. But then because of that, like we're all zombies. That's that's the way I see it playing out. <sighs> yeah, no, I, I think that is part of the plot line for for, you know, The Walking Dead. Um, Speaking of zombie viruses, should we do a health corner? Yes. Let's do a health corner. I, I think you, you have something for the health corner. Yeah, so um, I'm back in touch with my old uh, shrink, who I haven't talked to in a while, which is very good. I kind of ghosted him, which was wrong of me, and I'm back in contact with him, and I'm really happy about that. And I'm trying out a new antidepressant and hoping to wean myself off of the one I've been on and see if it works better. So far, I think that the results seem promising, but there are side effects. Like, I get bad headaches, and I kind of feel like I'm grinding my teeth, and it makes me nauseated. But I'm hoping it kind of goes away, if that makes any sense, because everything else about it seems really promising. That sounds like the so side effects of Wellbutrin that I get. Yeah, and I I, 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 I can't remember what this is called. It starts with a T. It's something new. Um, Thorazine. But uh, no... Maybe. I don't <laughs> no, know. It's, it's not. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. So it's a, uh, but anyway, so I'm trying to see if that can kind of settle. It, it's still in like the, the early stages of, of trying it out. So we'll see if, if, uh, how that goes, but I am at least at the very least, like happy that I'm talking to my shirt. Yeah, again. I do wish you luck with that. Med changes. Uh, new meds are always trying times. Yeah, they are. And it's one of the reasons why I've avoided it for so yeah. long. Um, but I feel like, you know, I, I need to do it at this point. So I've also, um, I'm finally out of my cast from oh, uh, being hit by the car. Thank you. And so that's good. Um, I, I still um, have a couple more weeks before I can start um, strength therapy, but hopefully that should all be settled, you know, um, in like three more weeks uh, when I go um, start like strength stuff, I think like in either a week or two. And then um, I've got an appointment with um, the, the doctor sometime, I think like in April. So actually I need to check on that date now to make sure it's not when I'm going to be in Brazil. Pause. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that that's all very encouraging. I hope that strength training leads to like weightlifting. Cause I want to see you come out like buff. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly though, at this point, like, I just hope that, um, cause I've already noticed like when it rains or like when the weather, like there are differences. I've already noticed that like my wrist throbs. Oh, sweet. Now you can sit oh, on the porch God. in a rocking chair and be like storms are coming. Totally. Totally. And I'm like, really? I'm like, seriously. Um, cause I've already had that with, with, um, other things that I've kind of sprained or messed up in the past. But, but since this, you know, was like a, a break, I'm like, really? This is going to be something that's going to have to, it's going to, it's going to be pain in the butt forever. And my, my knee is still all kinds of fucked up. I've got to go and get like physical therapy for that, but it is what it is. But, but other than that, I mean, at least I'm, I'm, I, like I said, last time we dog, like, at least I'm alive. So that's a good thing. Yeah. My, uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say girlfriend and, and we can acknowledge that I've been divorced for like a year and haven't talked about it, but we'll breeze over that for now. So 
Yeah, because we got to talk about this at some point, but go on. My, yes, girlfriend. <laughs> my, my girlfriend, who is also uh, the yoga teacher that I, I go to most often, fell on the ice a little while back and oh, seriously no. injured her pinky. Um, and oh, no. so she didn't want to go to the doctor. I shouldn't, I shouldn't like, I don't have permission to talk about this, but, um, ultimately one of her students is also like a physical therapist and she's like, Oh, this is the most common injury we see in football players. And you just got to tape these two fingers together and every once in a while, take it off and move it around. And cause up until then I, I was pretty convinced it was a hairline fracture because after two weeks it's still, but she's, mm -hmm. she's teaching class now without being able to use her hand which is oh, actually it's kind of cool because she is forced to uh kind of walk around and give people like more personal adjustments and everything so it, maybe this is maybe it's a good thing silver lining i mean there are i mean like i said i'm i'm des I've, I've been like looking into how to figure out you know how to do talks on um, accessibility for temporary disabilities because most of the talks, the most of the documentation is around people who are permanently disabled or a permanent, you know, like whatever, um, animalities. And so a lot of the built in accessibility things that we built for, for the web or for apps or whatever, don't acknowledge the fact that most, um, people who have, ex have accessibility issues are temporary. And, and again, I'm not saying like, obviously, you know, people with screen readers and people with like, who, who can't, you know, um, uh, use their hands full time, like that should be like first and primary focus. But it's, it's interesting, like when you think about designing products, especially web pages and stuff, like to make sure that things work with people who don't have access to their dominant hand, let's say for, for so a how would you, how do you, uh, I don't even know how to do that. Like what kind of changes would saying. you make? I think you just try. Well, you you try to say, is there a way where I don't need to use both hands to yeah. do this, or is there something else, and not just rely on the fact that oh, this person lives with this, so they can, you know, listen right. uh, to the screen reader, or they can, or they know these other ways, or they have these other skills that they've adapted over time. I think that's really what it's about: is not taking advantage of the fact that the ramp up time for some of those things is so great. Like I looked at getting this ridiculous keyboard that I think you probably would have liked. Um, I tried to order it and then the, the website wouldn't let me order it. Like my bank kept like saying, Oh no, it's a scam or whatever. Um, I get, I just would not let me like buy it. Like, like I, no matter how many times I approve the purchase or whatever, like the website wouldn't let me buy it. But it was like this $300 single handed keyboard and people were telling me that the ramp up time was really long, but the results were good. And I was just like, by the time I get good with using this thing, you know, I'm going to be able to have access to my, my hand. You again. would have to learn it um, ambidextrously though, because if you did all your keyboarding with one well, hand, your RSI in, in that hand would come twice as fast. That's true. But yeah, but I, but I would have had to use my left hand because that was my big thing is that like my dominant hand is my right hand. And that was the one where I wasn't able to, for a couple of weeks when I was in the splint, I couldn't type, you know? And then when I was in the cast, I had more access to typing, but it still wasn't great. And definitely I can feel like RSI type of stuff um, now, it, you know, like kind of being, I've been definitely going to get it on my right uh, wrist. Like I can feel it. Like I was like doing something with like a regular mouse. And I was like, damn it, <laughs> this, this still hurts. So, but anyway, but, 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 you know, but you don't think about things like that. Like when you're designing stuff, you're like, oh, okay, we'll do it for, you know, people who are deal with this all the time, but not, okay, what if there's a temporary 
disability. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's fair to consider that. But at the same time, if it's temporary and what you're making isn't like uh, workflow critical, then I don't think you have to. Oh, no, I agree. Like people can stay no, off Facebook for a couple of weeks while they recover. Sure. But I'm just saying, but like, but, 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 but let's say you have a dashboard for, let's just say a major cloud sure. provider and it's difficult to access things, you know, with, with, with one hand. Yeah. That's interesting to kind of note and think about, okay, how can this be more accessible, um, in a, in, in a scenario where a screen reader or something else might not, might not be applicable. I, yes, absolutely. Especially in like enterprise mission critical applications, which I've never wanted to work on for reasons like that. But, but, but I'm not even talking, but, but, but I'm not even talking like, I'm not, again, I'm not even talking like enterprise, like let's again say like you're a major cloud provider. And so you have a dashboard that millions and millions of people use, not always in the enterprise. Sure. They could okay. be, you know, like you for your own projects you yeah. know yeah interesting so my only addition to the health corner is that i am quitting vaping it has been wow. two weeks since i have picked up a vape and this is let me put this in context um i started smoking when i was 12 um i Basically, since I was probably 17, have never gone a day without nicotine. And I am now 39. I quit smoking cigarettes probably seven years ago, uh, right. but only quit because I I liked vaping better. Um, mm -hmm. I never said I quit smoking. I just quit smoking cigarettes. I didn't I didn't switch to vaping with the intention of like weaning off it and Vaping right. is something I can, I never smoked cigarettes indoors ever. Like it was gross to me to like sit there in my own smoke. So it was always a, an you. outside thing, but vaping, shit, I can do that at my desk. So I have developed. I was going to say, yeah, you, so you, if anything, you can, you smoke more. Right. Maybe, oh, way more, way more. And, uh, and I have developed this, like when I hit compile, I reach for my, my vape when I, um, die in a level on a game, I reach for my vape before I start the next level. Um, it's super ingrained in me. And uh, so stopping the, like I'm, I'm using uh, patches right now. I tried the lozenges for the first week, but they're too flexible. <laughs> like I can yeah. just keep taking lozenges. And right. And so, so, so the Pavlovian effect, like doesn't like it, 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 it just transfers one right. to another. And so this week I am, I'm keeping big glasses of water around and, uh, instead of reaching for any kind of nicotine, I'm drinking water, which is probably ideal. Also, uh, apparently when you use lozenges a lot, you produce a lot of saliva that you swallow, but without anything that the saliva needs to break down. And the result is unbelievable gas so mm -hmm. that in, in and of itself is enough reason to 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 not use lozenges for me but so this is it was two weeks yesterday uh i haven't i haven't broken yet i am working my way i you're supposed to do like four weeks on the patch or more or something um i'm working towards cold turkey uh uh, by by the fourth week without stepping down to the next level of patch. I might try cutting them up, weaning them down, but still, I got it. I've never done cold turkey before. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's like to make it through to the other side. I did it with heroin. I cold turkeyed heroin because I tried methadone. That's a, one, that, 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 that's a pretty big one to cold turkey, I gotta say. I, I'm yeah. I, I it's more severe, but also the severe withdrawal symptoms don't last as long as I think nicotine seems to. I'm not sure yeah. about that. I'm, I've read that, although I don't think that the severe, I think the severe withdrawal on, on an opiate is significantly worse than it is on oh, nicotine. Oh, well, yeah, like a night without nicotine means like being restless. A night without heroin means vomiting and cramping. And yeah, that that was ugly. <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've obviously never gone through heroin withdrawal. Well, not obviously, people might not know that. But I've never gone through heroin withdrawal, but I've gone through withdrawal from, you know, some pretty gnarly like uh, antidepressants and things like that. And I, you know, it can be pretty god awful, um, you know, where you have like the, you know, the, the sweats and the cramping of the whole thing. Um, and, and it can be a pretty miserable experience. And I, in some of those cases, the only way I've been able to do it was cold turkey because whatever side effect I was having was was too severe. Um, and I just had to do it. Trade offs. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of those things where even the doctor, the doctor was like, no, you got to do this. And this sucks. But got to do it. And so I've been through some bad withdrawals before, but obviously never anything like heroin, but, but withdrawals are, are not fun. And especially when you've been on something, because, because I think the big thing, like my husband, Grant's similar to you in that he's been smoking since he was like 15, maybe even younger, 13, something like that. And he switched to vaping, I think about six years ago. And for him, although I believe he did smoke indoors at times, he was never allowed to smoke indoors while we were together, like sure. ever, ever, ever. But obviously he could vape indoors yeah. and it just becomes like a, a thing where, you know, um, instead of like, like for him, he would like to have coffee and a cigarette. Like he would like to do those types of things and, and vaping, you know, becomes like this just, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not Pavlovian, but like almost becomes like, you know, he has like a, I think they call it a habit. Likes to have it in his mouth. Like an oral fixation. Yeah, no, nobody likes that's it. Yeah. You know, he gets like an oral fixation oh, with for it. And sure, so, yeah. you know, so, so that becomes, you know, part of the whole process. And so he went through a thing when we moved here, uh, to, to, uh, Seattle where he was kind of cutting down on, on his, um, nicotine intake because he'd been having a really high dose of nicotine in his, in his vaping and, um, cut down on that and started, um, you know, moving at one point he was just like vaping nothing. But he's since gone back to nicotine. I don't know how much it is, but he was he was doing that, and I was proud of him. But that didn't last, um, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> I was tempted to try that the zero percent uh, the fluids, but yeah. Did, so here's and and it took me a while to be open to to believing this, but um, studies have found that uh, when most fluids are heated they turn into a few chemicals that they have never acknowledged before, including like, um, what's the, it's very carcinogenic. Um, I forget, I forget what the really bad chemicals are, but it also turns into heavy metals and some nasty ones like lead. And I, from the day I stopped the actual vaping without getting rid of nicotine at all, like still like a 21 milligram patch and lozenges. When I stopped vaping, I had more energy. I no longer had the like extended spells of kind of headachey that 
I always just assumed were how I how I felt. <laughs> so the the vape itself is not as harmless as as all of us vapers always want to believe. Yeah, less no, harmful, I agree with that. less I, harmful I than smoking, and and yeah. you know, and that's what we'll all say. But as far as just like in a less like fatal way, as far as personal health goes, I have found it there's like a huge difference without the constant inhalation of the vape. That's awesome. No, that's so good. And 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 like and I agree with you. Like there are obviously, like you said, like they keep doing studies and showing it's not as good for you as you think. It's not as harmless as we've all kind of argued, but. At the same time, I think there are, and, and let, let's face it, there are plenty of them are in, are in the, the traditional cigarette lobby who are saying things like, oh, it's just as bad as smoking. Right. It's like, no, it's not. Like, yeah, you have to, you, you have to, you, you, you have to both. source every study because it, it like, half you, you, of them come like, from like Philip exactly. Morris. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to say exactly. And, 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 and it's, and it's, uh, you know, is it as bad? Absolutely not. Is it completely harmless? Absolutely not. Right. You know, and, and like you said, like there are things that happen when material is heated and whatnot. And, and there are certain things with, with nicotine in general that we don't know a lot about, yeah. you know, because if, if, if there was nothing in nicotine, you could just have everybody take nicotine pills, <laughs> you know, um, the same way some people like me take caffeine. Well, pills, we know, you know that like, nicotine's a poison. You know, caffeine is I mean, in right. in its That's pure form, in a large enough dose, it can kill a person very quickly. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not like caffeine. Not that caffeine is harmless, but, you know, where it can be, it's an additive and, and et cetera. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Caffeine. I, I feel like caffeine and nicotine are two very different, but I'm not a, uh, I'm oh, not a chemist. Are, I'm not a uh, yeah. health professional. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just saying I'm just saying that the, some people try to compare the two and it's like, no, I, I either for for positive or for negative. And it's like, no, they're, they're, they're not. I'm just saying that it's it's a different sort of thing that the, 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 the like you said, you know, nicotine ultimately is poison. It's not like one of those things where, uh, you know, the delivery mechanism is ultimately going to solve all those things. Now, some of the, the cancerous properties, especially from a carcinogenic, like from a like a lung capacity are obviously tied to tar. Right. And, and into smoke inhalation, right? Um, but you could see similar effects, not the same, you know, if you were inhaling smoke in other ways, like the same way you see people like in coal yeah. mines, you know, getting black lung diseases. That's how one of my grandfathers so, died. He was a coal miner. Uh, black lung. Actually, yeah, the sense. Alzheimer's got him well, first, but he had black bad. lung. <laughs> um, all right. So wish me luck I'm with that. Laughing. Good luck with that. I'm really proud of you. That's amazing. It's it's amazing how much you've like turned your complete like health life over. Yeah, me, in the last. I, I am amazed as well. I never thought I would do this stuff, but should be really proud. Yeah, quitting drinking again is next, but I'm waiting until after I get past the neck fits. <laughs> I was gonna say, take these things in moderation. Yes. You know, one like, at a time. Because the only way it works. Because the only way it works is if is if you do it the right way. Because if you do it, you know, trying to do too much, then like it's, it's yeah, you know. like fasting. Um, yeah, uh, Atkins diet. Anyway, um, oh, how was your St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, I don't care about St. Me Patrick's either. Day. It's it's yeah. Like I'm Irish. I I think I'm actually like probably a quarter Irish. But I don't, I I don't care about St. Patrick's Day in the United States. Yeah, and and uh, same. And it is weird though because you know until this year I've 
lived in New York City where people care about St. Patrick's Day a whole lot. There's a big parade. There's obviously specials and drinks. Everybody gets excited. Most people wear green to work. Like it's a whole thing. And then I moved to the Pacific Northwest. And I don't know if it's just a, uh, this neighborhood thing or what, but like even like the parties, like I'd expect because I live in a, in a pretty popular area where it tends to get pretty rowdy on the weekends. And there hasn't been like a ton of, you know, St. Pat, there wasn't like a ton of St. Patrick's Day stuff yesterday, like last night. Like people weren't whooping in the streets. There weren't all kinds of things. It was really muted. Like it seems like no one gives a damn, which I'm kind of like, excellent. I, ha- I um, had, a- my sorry, most- go ahead. No, 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 you go on. I had to drive downtown in Winona um, yesterday at about 2 p.m. And at 2 p.m. and the temperature was probably about 37 so not freezing, but you wouldn't want to be walking down the street in like a mini skirt and uh, like fishnets no. and um, and and he- heels for whatever reason, because leprechauns in their heels. But like the college, right. the college area of our town was just crawling with college girls dressed not just in green, but slutty green and clearly well, yeah, clearly by 4 p.m. stumbling drunk i i, I don't I, I i absolutely did not i went home after i took care of my downtown business i went home and did not go back out cuz it's it's just an excuse to drink they're not celebrating anything it's annoying to me right which yeah so i sometimes went to savannah i went to savannah a couple times for st patrick's Georgia? day um and yeah, in, in Georgia, which where it's a big deal, and Atlanta would do things, but it's a really big deal in Savannah for whatever. Yeah, reason. why? And um, do they have a high, a large Irish sure. population. Probably, I, I but I, I'm not really sure. There's probably some historical reason. I don't know. Um, and uh, you know, they people used to people used to get into it there. And one time, I was in Dublin, Georgia, and I went skydiving on St. Patrick's Day weekend. That was fun because I went skydiving it was bad because before going skydiving two other skydivers died and they had to shut down the skydiving for the whole day it was a whole thing um they collided in the air it was really sad uh it was yeah pretty terrible actually and so you're asking yourself why would you go skydiving after seeing that (laughs) well I did the odds in my head and even though this isn't I know this isn't how probability works don't at me I was able to rationalize it being like there's never a safer time to go because I've always I've already seen two people die. Um, and we'd driven all that way. And I just kind of wanted to, I don't know. Uh, I, I went with, I went tethered to someone. and I was like, well, if I die, I'm taking someone with me. So, um, you know, I'm not going alone. Um, anyway. So, but yeah, I no, did just, but, but yeah, I did just look up, uh, the St. Patrick's Day celebration in Savannah, which is currently the second largest in the world, second only to New York, uh, was uh-huh. one of the first official like St. Patrick's Day celebrations started in 1773. Uh, it's been visited during the shindig. Presidents Howard Taft, Harry Truman, Jimmy Carter have all stopped by. That's uh, Did you know in Dublin, uh, the St. Patrick's celebration in dublin their guest of honor this year they have like an international guest of honor mark hamill showed up 
And I don't know if, if like, in his day, Taft was as cool as Skywalker, but that I, I that's kind of cool. I don't know why. I assume yeah. he's got a lot of Irish in him, but... Uh, uh, or they paid him. Well, sure, sure. But why would they choose Mark Hamill instead of, like... Why would not? Why not? Someone with a clearly Irish name, Colin Firth. Cal- what? No, what's the other Colin? Um... Yeah, I know what you're like thinking of. I can see his face. Uh, b- 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 in Bruges. Um, yeah, I, I know. Feral. I know. Feral. Uh, uh, Feral, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I love that movie. I was so like, much. I saw him. I, yeah, I was actually thinking, I was actually looking at Minority Report in my head. I was like, what's his name? Dude, um, hold up. So I assume you saw Jessica Jones' new season? Uh huh. The guy, the super from the building? Yeah. Is he not like a combination of multiple super hot guys? Yes. I'm kind of a, he's like yes. Mexican Colin Farrow. Kind of, yeah. He he's kind of like and if his name was Chris, he would be yet another Chris to add to the, to the, <laughs> totally. to the hot Chris's. <laughs> I don't know the actor's name. I didn't like look it up, but I didn't either, but I'm pretty sure it's not Chris. But uh, if it is, and that's even more ridiculous, uh, it's like another hot Chris for the pile. But yeah, you're right. He does kind of look like a mashup of like every hot guy. Uh, Mexican Colin Farrell. <laughs> I like that. Um, but- yeah. Okay. So that's good to know about Savannah. So, so second only to New York. So, all right. I've grown up basically going. So I've literally gone from, I mean, Savannah is not close to Atlanta, but I've been there, like I said, a number of times in college and whatnot for St. Patrick's Day. And then... Uh, obviously was in new york and now i am in a place where best i can tell no one gives that, a shit which suits me just yeah. fine it, it's weird to me that portland gives holiday. less of a shit than savannah but apparently this is historically accurate seattle but seattle yeah, so i'm not sorry. sure about i can't speak before but yeah no i'm just saying it's portland might care, <laughs> although the cities are remarkably smaller um yeah no i don't know but yeah you're right savannah gives a shit and like seattle's like Meh. did you know my brother went to college no, in really savannah cool. did he go to yeah. scad I've been down there a couple That's times. A I, it's kind of an amazing city. I I always feel yeah, very racist, but I always yeah. feel super at home. Like my body, like I get down to Georgia, like even down to Louisiana, Texas, my body feels like this is home. And if I don't talk to anybody, like <sighs> I it just I have a lot of roots. Like my mom's side of the family comes from uh, Alabama, Arkansas. My dad's side of the family comes from more Midwest, like Missouri. But uh, like my my familial roots are all Southern. So it's kind of. uh, I feel like, yeah, I think we've talked about that before. That's yeah. There's a draw uh... for me. Um, My politics and I, I love the upper Midwest. It's it's cold, so it keeps the idiots away for the most part. And it's safe. Like, we're not getting the storms or the fires or the floods that everyone else is. We're, like, up here on high ground. I mean, it's going to get shitty for us, too. But uh, cost of living, like, a house that goes for... So I was looking at the people have been posting listings from San Francisco lately uh, just to show how Mm -hmm. outrageously expensive homes are. There is a I saw a listing for a home that was listed at four million in San Francisco and a comparable home in what would be uh, 
relatively similar neighborhood in Minnesota goes for 70,000. That's, that's insane. That's a I don't know if there's ever been that stark a difference in the housing markets, but yeah, no, it's interesting because obviously Seattle is not as bad as San Francisco, but it's getting to the point where it, it is the fastest growing and like the biggest bubble market like in the country and has been for quite some time. And you see just like houses that four or five years ago would go for, you know, 70, 80,000 could now, no joke, be like 600,000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, people who want to get like a condo or, um, whatever place if, if you're trying to get in for, you know, under 300 grand and in a decent neighborhood, um, or even a non-decent neighborhood, it's hard. Like, a um, my, my colleague last summer, she tried the whole summer to basically buy a house and, um, or, you know, try to get a condo and, and she kept going up and up and even, you know, being willing to spend like $400,000 for like you know, an 800, 900 square foot place, you know, that wasn't new, that needed work done, that, you know, wasn't perfect, but just to get a place every time she'd put in an offer, um, so a, a foreign buyer would come in and, uh, and pay cash. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. When you just look at the prices, I'm like, okay, well there go my dreams of homeownership. <laughs> like moving, moving to a new place has, hasn't, hasn't, hasn't changed that for me. Cause living in New York, that was never really, uh, in the cards. Um, and, um, it's increasingly like some people who, you know, years ago did really well, have done really well, but like, you just look at the, the housing prices on like Redfin and stuff. And you're well, just like, see, I, I, yeah, I know yeah. full well that, that tech pays well. Like I, yeah, I just don't, but, I don't think that most employees, non-executive employees can really afford to live in San Francisco. It doesn't seem like anyone's making enough to live there no, without accumulating I mean, that's, that's one of debt. Why, no, that's one of the reasons why the salaries that they pay are so high. Yeah. Um, and, and tend to be higher in those cities than they are like oh, it's, if you live in New York or Seattle or wherever. Like they have to give you a pay increase and it's not because you're doing anything more. It's just because you live in San Francisco. That's one of the reasons why I think that, you know, they look at, at building, you know, nice offices in other places so <laughs> that sure. they can try to try to take that talent try, elsewhere. try to make like, new valleys to <laughs> totally i mean well yes i mean and, and and we've seen that happen you know not just because of amazon but a lot of companies now have engineering places in seattle and, and obviously seattle has a really rich engineering history going all the way back to like boeing but like you know it's getting more and more and like you see in portland and obviously denver and and wherever amazon hq is going to be hq2 is going to be which I I'm, I'm assuming is going to be Denver, but I have, that's just a gut feeling. I have no idea, you know, but you start to see these other pockets, um, e even, um, what's uh, Columbus, Ohio, you know, where, where nationwide is and stuff like that, you know, are places that are all trying to kind of bid on those things. And, and, um, and it's, it's, it's appealing. Cause like you said, um, if you're, especially if you're like in the Midwest or whatever, like obviously prices go up, but it's nothing like what they are in the Valley right. or in New York or increasingly, you know, like rents for apartments aren't the same thing, but like housing prices, I will say, I, I, uh, when the recruiter was telling me about rent stuff, when I talked to her last year, I was like, I, I will admit, not the recruiter, the, the, the moving specialist, I will admit that I like kind of tuned out and I was like, <laughs> 
that's cute. I'm, I, I'm from New York. This, this is cute that you're talking to me about rent prices and, and housing prices. This, this, this is adorable. And then we got out here and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's, it's in, in some ways it's worse. Like, I didn't anticipate, for instance, I mean, look, the, the apartment we're in is far, far nicer and far, far bigger. But I didn't anticipate paying more in rent in Seattle than we were paying in New York. And we are by a pretty significant I margin. I could have told you that. Only because I track this stuff for whatever reason, but which I appreciate about which I appreciate, yeah, but but I didn't know, and then I looked at housing prices and I just see like them going up and up and up, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, and part of you is like, well, should I buy something, anything? And then I'm like, I don't want to buy when you know if, if the market's about to hit a, you know a peak and then you know balance out some like. You know, something like like I feel like in the in the in San Francisco or certainly in New York, it's like you buy whenever you can buy anything. But I feel like maybe wrong. I feel like in Seattle, like we're headed for a fall. Well, there are there point. are so many uh, so many markets right now showing signs of bubble uh, things yeah. that have led to crashes in the past. I think right now we've all learned enough that we should be saving up our money uh, so that when things crash, we can buy low um it's yeah. a cynical point of view but i mean look at bitcoin like it's oh yeah <laughs> everything about it is a bubble oh completely um uh still so mad that my boss made me sell that <laughs> what I, I i bought bitcoin when it was like ten dollars a coin in 2012 yeah. And, and my boss at the time thought that it'd be a conflict of interest because I'd written one story about Bitcoin for me to own any Bitcoin. And so in 2014, I guess, I had to liquidate it. I, uh, I discovered uh, probably last year that I still had $20 in some Bitcoin account uh, that was now uh, probably, I think it was about $150. Uh, wow. This was before the huge first but mm -hmm. i cashed that out i i have friends that made one two million dollars on bitcoin and then subsequently lost it uh it's a really fun ride i think for people who can afford to right now if, if you can afford it <laughs> yeah no it's, it's funny that we're talking about this now because uh it, i'm sure you saw the john oliver segment yes on it was first. really well done really yeah good. It was really good. And I thought that the the, the analogy of, of, of the chicken McNugget thing was like perfect, <laughs> actually. Um, no, I thought that was really good. And that actually, like, I love his show anyway, but I thought that was really one of the better episodes to the point that even like the cryptocurrency, like idiots, like the, like the, you know, this is the future and everything. Like even they couldn't really say anything bad about it. They're like, yeah, that was well done. He was maybe more skeptical than I would, you know, want in a perfect world, but nothing he said was wrong. Um, cause his research team obviously does their, does their due diligence and then some, but no, it made me think about that. And, and, uh, I was actually last night when I slash a few hours ago when I had insomnia, I was, uh, researching BitConnect, the, the, the most, one of the most recent Ponzi schemes where that, where that, um, uh, Carlos guy, BitConnect. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, cause I, I was researching that I mean, cause it's a straight up Ponzi and like, it's the most obvious Ponzi you've ever seen. Like oh, you, they, not, I, I saw the John, uh, the John Oliver thing. And basically their chart for how this works is literally yeah. a guy looking at a pyramid. 
Well, yeah, but, 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 but pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes are, are slightly different. This was both. So this was both a pyramid scheme because it was a, a multi-level marketing scheme, a pyramid scheme in its compensation plan for affiliate stuff. But its whole thing was was a straight-up Ponzi and couldn't be more more of a Ponzi. Like that literally was like, um, we're going to give you 1% a month return, which is exactly what what Ponzi was promising. Doubles doubles the uh, doubles the money in 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 in, in you know twelve weeks or whatever. And um, yeah, he was yeah that that was his whole thing. It's like three months you would basically be able to double your money. He'd pay you like a percentage increase. And and you know it's a very simple thing. You're uh, you know in oldest terms, robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're paying your returns out of investments made by other by, sure. by newcomers in. It, it was paying for other people out. And like that's exactly what this was. This was just a straight up Ponzi, like even by their definition of, of what their promised returns were and, and, and the fact that they were making you um, hold the money in their system and you could only get it out on, on their things and you had to give them money in Bitcoin, which was the funniest <laughs> part, which they would then convert to their own version of a currency. And then so when people, you know, get out, they're not getting their Bitcoin out, they're getting whatever they valued um, this currency had, which, you know, then for, for fiat things will just be, you know, went from like 300 something dollars to like $30. And, you know, people are uh, freaking out um, and you feel bad for anybody who gets sucked into stuff, obviously, although at a certain point you're also, you're also like, you know, this is literally a straight up Ponzi scheme with a pyramid scheme thrown in for good measure for affiliate marketing purposes to get people signed up to it. Like, and you don't want to blame the victims, but at the same time, you're like, okay, how many times have we literally seen these things? And this is the most obvious one I've literally ever seen in my entire life. But the most stunning thing about that is that there's no regulation. Like, okay, maybe they're, you know, because the, the people behind it were still ultimately um, anonymous and, the big uh, affiliate whales, people might sue them or try to, but I mean, they can claim they didn't have anything, and and you know, it, it's not really clear if if uh, if no, if a law has been broken for somebody to be like, oh, join this, and this is a this is a investment opportunity. Also, that's the um, attraction it, to the layman, right? Like, I mean, there are those that would see that and be like, um, I don't want any part of that, which is kind of where I've been for a long time. But there are also many who are like, this is exciting. This is it feels uh, reckless, but I don't yeah. have to put a lot of money in. And I've watched my friends, you know, get rich. So, well, that's the thing is, is it, like you said before, you know, the gambling rush or whatever, like, you know, people can kind of get an endorphin sort of thing out of it, which I think a lot of people get sucked into it. And like, you know, you're saying you had friends who've made like million dollars or whatever on Bitcoin and then lost it. Um, although, depending on when you bought in, you know, they probably still made some money because just of how much it's increased, you know, it's like, maybe you, you don't get the, the huge, if, uh, if windfall, they stayed but... in. Yeah. Most of the people I know who really made a lot of money did it through the fluctuations prior to the current bubble. Like th this is, this is in the last like couple years, not in the last like yeah. six months. I was going to say, because when I was forced to sell, it still was at a higher price yeah. than what, um, I bought it at. It just was significantly, significantly, significantly less than even what it is now. And so when I ran into to Jim at a wedding, um, I was giving him shit for that. And he was like, I wish you hadn't brought that up. I'm like, I'm just giving you a hard time. His, his, his wife, she just kind of like had this look on her face. I was like, I remember when you made me sell, because he made a Bitcoin crack. And I was like, yeah, I remember when you made me sell my Bitcoin, Jim? And he was like, I'd forgotten that. I wish you hadn't brought that up. 
Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I remember. <laughs> Christina remembers. Doesn't forget. Not can ever forget that. Christina can tell yeah. you who started episode four of season three of 90210. She's not going to forget this slight against her financial history. Absolutely not. That's like what well, that's that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much time you have. We could probably keep talking for a while, but there is a topic I kind of want to jump to. Yeah, let's go. So Taylor Swift, we, I feel like we yes. haven't discussed enough Taylor Swift lately, considering this is yeah. technically a Taylor Swift podcast. It is a Taylor Swift podcast, and we've been very light on the Taylor Swift podcast. Yeah, like really kind of skimming over stuff. But ba based on, I, I believe general reaction but my reaction to her last album i'm feeling i'm sensing so i've seen the progression in pop stars i think the first time i noticed it was madonna uh put out a less than you know not bad but less than popular album fail to yeah. hit your previous heights hibernate for a little while uh possibly like in the case of britney spears go through a breakdown and then emerge from it reinvented. Right. And Taylor Swift is an artist who's already reinvented herself like 180 one time uh, and mm -hmm. then continued to evolve. Do you think we're we're looking at the start of maybe a, a hiatus period, uh, a chrysalis period? Yes and no. So I would say yes in the sense that... Um, Although I've come to really like Reputation as an album a lot more than I did when it originally came out. There's still songs in it that I don't love, but like the, the current single, I don't like the music video, um, but I really love the song Delicate. I think it's actually one of her best songs ever. Um, it's, it's a great song, and there's some other songs on it that I'll, I'll really listen to a lot. I've come to enjoy the album. It certainly doesn't have, it's not like 1989, as we discussed, I think it was kind of a perfect pop album, especially for its yes. time. And everything about it was, I think, crafted perfectly from the image to the music videos to the everything about it was just it was just a perfect pop album. It was well written. Um, it was well produced. It was well executed. Um, whereas this one, even though parts of it are really good, I don't know if, if anything that anybody could have done would have ever been able to follow up on the success of that. You know, if that makes yeah. any sense. So part of me gives like a, a, a huge amount of like a pass for that, because I think how do you top one of the best albums, pop albums of the last like 25 years? Like, I, I don't know, you know, that would be hard for anybody, but how do you do it when you're overexposed to a tremendous degree, some of it through your own fault, some of it through not your own fault. Yeah. Well, um, and I think that's what I'm, what I'm saying is pop stars hit a pinnacle yeah. And then whatever they follow up with, even if that if that album, if they had released that as their first album, it would have been platinum like instantly. Yeah. But because it's following up something they can't following reach up, the heights yes. of again, uh, that's right. got to it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. And I think that Taylor knew that she would never reach the heights of, of 1989 again. Um, but I do think she probably thought it'd be easier to kind of continue you know, down the, down the path. And so she, she did a very Madonna thing where she did, you know, the, you know, um, um, look what you made me do video and kind of try to say, you know, the old Taylor can't come to the, can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead and the whole reinvention thing, except she didn't really reinvent herself. Yes. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? She kind of half-assed it. And if you listen to the rest of the album, half of it sounds a lot like 1989, like Delicate. Right. Which, you again, can't is like just tell people you're reinvented. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. But she's done this weird thing where her fans are really freaking out because she's kind of gone underground. Like, she hasn't done media appearances. She hasn't done a single interview for this album. Like, a single one. She did a couple of TV appearances. She's done very little traditional promo. And as a result, she's not getting the traditional radio play that she would have before her arguments with Spotify. She came back to Spotify, but then she didn't let them have the album to stream the day that it was available. It like wasn't on streaming for like three weeks. And so Spotify hasn't put her on any, any of the big playlists, which obviously is going to hurt her, her numbers on, on the billboard charts. And, and we all know that Taylor loves nothing more than a hit. So she's kind of been, you know, a running ragged there. The tour is selling well, but it's certainly not sold out the way that the older one was. Part of it is because the prices are higher to, you know, they accounted for like the built-in inflation or not inflation, the built-in like scalping rates. But part of it is just, you know, people don't have as much interest as they did with 1989. And I'm going both in Seattle and in New York, but, and I paid a lot of money for tickets and I'm very excited, but it's certainly not one of those like things where I feel like the whole world can't wait for her sort of things. And so I think that, yeah, part of me, I would think, yeah, you're right. She might retreat, except I feel like she kind of did that or at least tried and it failed. And so I don't know. I almost wonder if like for her to truly retreat, what that means, like, does that mean, I I feel like for Taylor to retreat, she would have to almost acknowledge that she won't be one of the biggest celebrities in the world and would be cognizantly okay with that. And I don't know if she as a person would be okay with that, if that makes any sense. So like in, in standard uh, pop uh, history, it would require like at least one fist fight with another pop star, uh, probably shaving of the head, like a breakdown, like a rock bottom breakdown to truly uh, play the part of the reinvented I don't see this happening for Taylor. No, and th- no, 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 what, no, no. What scares me is, so you mentioned uh, the like the lack of streaming on day one, the lack of interviews. These are things that Taylor is, the reason she always impressed me uh, as someone who just kind of takes a general overview of pop culture, uh, she always impressed me with her savvy. Like she yes. knew how to work marketing. She knew how to work image. And absolutely this time around, it feels like it is. Yes. She's done a misstep. Well, like it feels like she's like you said, run ragged. Like maybe she just, she needs a break. And I think that's what her hiatus looks like. It's just like, I, you people want so much from me. I just, I can't help you all. And then disappear for a while. I agree. But, 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 but I feel like it would have to be like a real break. Like even when she was, you know, she was on a, on a hiatus, so to speak, she still put out, um, you know, that song with, with Zayn Malik. Um, I don't want to live forever. Um, and, and she, um, did, uh, did that song for little big town. Um, but I think the problem with Taylor and Madonna had this to a certain extent too. And so did Britney, but obviously Madonna, um, and, and Taylor have handled it better than Britney did. I would also argue that as artists, like, Madonna and Taylor are are on another level that that as much as I, you know, love Britney Spears, let's just be real, you know, her art, artistry is not is not a thing with her. She was commodity right. and 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 you know, like it, it's it's just different. Um I think the problem is is that even when she disappears because she wasn't really in the public, like I think I don't remember how long she went without being photographed, 
Um, but it was a long time. Like she wasn't seen for like more than a year and it didn't feel like that because she was still written about all the time. So what do you do in that scenario? What do you do if even when you're not in the spotlight, even when you're not on tour, even when you're not doing anything, your life and, and the narrative around you is still being written about and people will still bring you up any time that they can. Like what happens if you can't kind of disappear in the traditional sense? Like she recognized, you know, it was, it was in the, the audio tape on the snap, not the audio tape, but the, on the audio of the snapshot thing that Kim Kardashian released, she was like, when she was kind of agreeing to let, you know, Kanye use her name and whatever context she thought that it was going to be used in. She was like, you know, I'm so overexposed right now. She knew, you know, she's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way overexposed. I'm way past the point of, of being able to continue to go out and do things. I need to just kind of hide. And then she took a misstep, which was not realizing how tired of her people were, um, and maybe flaunting around her, um, her annual 4th of July party that year, which, you know, uh, was kind of a misstep because that came out around the same time as the, the Kim Kardashian stuff. And then she had like this very fake looking, you know, like romance around the world <laughs> with, with, uh, with Loki yeah. and everybody was just kind of like, right after she'd broken up with, you know, her other boyfriend and everybody was kind of like, okay, well, you spent all this time telling us that you're not this man eater person. And now you're, <laughs> you know, this is weird. Um, you know, and it was just, it was just kind of a weird, like incongruous sort of thing, but it's almost like, I don't know. I feel like she's made mistake. I think feel feel like she's made tactical mistakes this era, not even so much related to the music. Although I do think that, you know, some of the music is better than others, but I think the music on the whole is good. But I think even if you acknowledge that there's no way that she could ever top 1989, I think she'd be the first to say that. Um, there have been tactical errors just kind of in the, the way that um, the whole media rollout has gone. For instance, I think that, despite not doing any interviews or any of that traditional kind of media stuff for the album, I don't feel like the public has gotten that. And yet she hasn't had any of the benefits of what those interviews would do. Um, she's been routinely and, and tremendously criticized for not speaking up about anything with Trump or with politics. And like, that would have been the right opportunity for her to actually show I can give a statement about this. And the longer she does, she stays quiet and look, no one says that you, you have to, you know, talk about those things, but it seems calculated in the wrong way. Like in the, in the past, like, I think the reason we both like her so much is that she's calculated in the right ways and, and they were good calculations. And now it almost, I think to a lot of people feels like this sort of silence is, um, a calculation because you don't want to risk alienating, you know, certain fans and certain buyers and fair enough, but that's also kind of a turnoff for a lot of people. Um, she obviously, you know, sued that guy who, who grabbed her ass or countersued him and, um, and won. And so, you know, and, and was great in court on that, but like that kind of immediately sort of went away, I guess. Well, as one would hope a court battle would. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying like the, the goodwill she got from that moment of speaking up in court against him and like being so like vociferous, like on the stand, like didn't last long in terms of like kind of the, the public consciousness. I don't know. So, I don't know what she does. Here to win people back is what I'm saying. And I think that that's important because unlike Madonna, who I think didn't really give a shit if people liked her or not, she just wanted the attention and could use that. I think it's a very fundamental part of Taylor Swift 
that she needs to be liked. So Taylor Swift, the reason that she's always impressed me in addition to her savvy is just that she's always been more of the adult than her contemporaries. Not that she's always yes. been super mature about everything. But no, 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 no. In the, in the pantheon of pop stars, she's always been Absolutely. kind of uh, adult for her age. But, Definitely. My, and, and this is more of a prescription than a prediction, but I think she's done with teenage pop. I think she yeah, pulls in that. Adele now. I think she, like minimum two years, just kind of lets her current success ride, takes the royalties from everything that's out, lets it ride, no tours, nothing. And then reemerge with an album that appeals to the age group that your fans were when they first started loving you. So like probably people who were in their early teens, right? And yeah. so then they're going to be I don't remember how long it's been, but we'll assume they're they're now college age, uh maybe even actual adults. No, they'd be older than that. Yeah, they'd be older than that. They'd be so you come out point, as yeah. a, a a musician, much like Adele, who appeals yep. more to the over twenty one age than the Absolutely. than the twelve to fifteen age. And I mean, she, her music has evolved, but she's still touring basically for those very young fans. So I think I yeah. think she hibernates just a little bit of time. I mean, to her, it will seem like forever being out of the public eye. But look at what happened with yeah, it. No, look at 21. You. Like people don't forget mm -hmm. if you make good no. stuff. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. And, and I was at her tour, Adele's 25 tour. I took my mom, which goes to your exact point. And most of the people there were, you know, older. There were people, you know, my age, but there were a lot of older women who were there too. And people had a great time. And, and look, you know, I will say Taylor Swift, I think, more than than certainly some of the other pop stars has a wider demographic of people who will go see her, especially pay sure. money for her. But I think Adele is one to look at. I would say Beyonce. Now, obviously, she will never be as cool as Beyonce. <laughs> but like Beyonce's fan base, you know, Beyonce is like a year older than me, apparently. Um, I don't believe that. I think I believe she's been lying about her age for years. I believe she was actually born. Before, I, I'm Beyonce age truther. I, I think she's older than she claims that she is. I, that's not a judgment. I just, <laughs> I, I don't, I do not believe that she was in high school when she was doing some, the big Destiny's Child stuff. I just don't um, at all. Um, but completely, <laughs> completely. Because I was that age, I was in high school and I was like, there's no way this bitch is, is a year older than me. There's no way. Um, but, but no, but like, but like, uh, I just got uh, tickets in Atlanta for the, on the run to uh, tour for, for Jay-Z and Beyonce. And I spent more money on that than I I'm not comfortable. I'm, uh, it sucks, but it, it's going to be a really good time. Um, my girls and I are going to have a good time, but oh my God. Um, but you know, but like Beyonce has a fan base, both it's older than her, younger than her, who have grown up with her both solo and as part of a group and she's evolved and she's made, she's been able to kind of become a woman and, and do those things. And Taylor will never be as cool as Beyonce, but I think you're right. I think she's going to have to evolve like a Beyonce and like an Adele. I think you're dead on. I think that the, the, this is the, the last album that she could do in kind of the traditional pop vein. And that's fine. Cause I mean, you know, she really only has had two certifiably pop albums. The others have kind of been pop country and have kind of been in other ways. And she's such a good songwriter. She could go into other genres and do really, really yeah. well. You well, know, yeah, like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of her music can transcend genre pretty easily 
I mean, she she makes Absolutely. she makes I mean, a great country singer. She makes it, she's just a great songwriter. I mean, like if you listen to Ryan Adams' interpretation yeah. in 1989, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it does it, most of the songs don't sound anything like hers. Um, but but it's the same melodies. Same you know? lyrics, Even same melodies, her, yeah. Yeah, it, even her current album, it's interesting because some of the songs I don't love on the album, but when she would kind of do like these behind the scene things like on Instagram or whatever, and you would hear it like acoustic as she was in the songwriting process, that was actually one of the good PR things they did. And they didn't do enough of it because she has some stupid exclusive deal with AT&T and, and they got like the bulk of them or whatever. And I'm like, she's got to stop that shit that the, 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 the everybody thinks she's like a, a money grubber and she is. And it's like, all right, you, you got to stop, you know, this like signing deals, you know, to, to make a buck every chance you get. Cause that that's a turnoff. But like uh, the process of her writing a song it was really interesting to watch, like really interesting to watch because you see how it sounds when it's acoustic, how it sounds on the guitar or the piano, and then how it translates, you know, once they are adding in the electronic elements and the other stuff. And it's like, oh, this is really good. And like, you see like the, the, the rawness one of the ways that she courted the Grammy committee and she courted them hard so she could get album of the year for 1989 was she performed those songs stripped in different arrangements like so that they sounded completely different than they did on radio and you could kind of get the, you know, the, I, like you, you got to immediately see, Oh, this is what, this is what the song is at its core. And so I think that she has the ability to, to, to switch genres again and do really well with it. Um, but I think you're right. She's going to have to, I think she's going to have to totally go underground, um, not tour, not do anything. But I also feel like, and this will be, I think the harder thing is she's going to have to kind of, regardless of what she's saying in her album liner notes and what, regardless of, of, you know, the lyrics and reputation say, I'm fine with people, you know, not liking me or this or whatever. I'm just going to be me. She's yeah. not, she's <laughs> not at all. I mean, that's the most transparently it's, false it's thing. So like, angsty. Taylor so much. It is, but it's also so false because it's like Taylor Swift's whole thing. Her entire career has been that she was not popular in middle school and that deeply, deeply like shaped her. And then she was starting out in high school and was kind of also kind of seen as an outcast, even though she was rich and pretty because she was doing this music thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, you know, she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts, um, you know, she, she's cheer captain and I'm on the bleachers. Like that's like from one of her like first really big hits. And she's had that motif. And even though we all look at her and we're like, bitch, please, <laughs> there's, there's a realness there. Like there is, I, I believe it's completely 100% accurate that she felt like a total outcast. And then she became Miss Popularity. And I think she loved that, but also, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't lasted. And I think the reason she loved it wasn't because she was so happy, you know, like to be popular, but she was just so happy to be loved. And I think she's going to have to give up on the idea that everybody will like her because for a long time, everybody did. But that's over. And no matter what she does, she will never, there are certain types of people who will always roll their eyes at her and will never like her. And it's almost like she's going to have to come to terms with that, with her next career progression and get over truly and not just saying the old Taylor is dead, but like truly like stop giving a shit that, you know, people on Twitter, she will never be good enough for them and they will never believe a thing. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's just going to have to get over the fact that like people don't like her. Did we just psychoanalyze Taylor Swift? We did. I love it. (laughs) As you said, it's Taylor Swift podcast. We haven't talked about her in a long time. I feel feel like a real Taylor Swift podcast absolutely would be psychoanalyzing her every week. 
I, I agree with you. But here's the thing, too. Like, I've held off from doing this, Brett, because, Brett, like, I love her, but I've been, like, kind of worried. So I've had this built up for a long time, as you might have been able to tell. <laughs> I could tell. The floodgates were opened. <laughs> they did. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, what, what do you want to close on? I kind of want to talk about Firefox for some reason, but... yes. I do too. Actually, let, let, you know what? Let's end our, our Taylor Swift podcast by talking about Firefox. I, I feel like Taylor would approve. I, you no, know what? she's Firefox totally a Chrome girl. Of course she is. But like, actually, you know what? I bet she's Safari. Think so? She uses whatever the default is on her Mac. She doesn't know to change it. <laughs> that fits the psychological profile. Honestly, I'm just saying, I'm being honest. She, she, she uses whatever's <laughs> default on her Mac and like, that's just what it is. But also in some ways... Taylor Swift is the Firefox uh, uh, or, or Firefox is the Taylor Swift of web browsers. Nice segue. Everyone loved it. <laughs> Everyone loved it. It was the, it was the shit. It was the best thing ever. Then everybody got like found new things. They found, they found a new, well, it got know, outpaced. It got outpaced and, and, and it didn't it's only competition and... was Netscape and then internet Explorer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, this, this analogy doesn't work. because Taylor Swift was more successful than Firefox ever was. And, uh, <laughs> even as, as many problems as she's having, the, the sad truth is Taylor Swift doesn't really have any female competition other than Beyonce who, and, and Adele, you know what I mean? But like, there aren't any pop stars like on the, on, on the cusp who are going to, it's not, it's not like Camilla Cabello is going to like be the next Taylor Swift. Like, come on. Um, it's, it's not happening. So, but yeah, but, but anyway, let's talk about Firefox. I got this, um, one of my extensions that I'd used for a while suddenly updated and had malware in it, which is super oh frustrating. And if I, what extension uh, was it? let me check here. It was called tab manager. It was yeah. just, it was basically, it would pop up a really quick window and you could just quickly close a bunch of tabs or move into new windows. Yeah, no, I remember it because I remember you telling me about it and I always liked the idea, but I never used it. It was like it was like a almost like a terminal sort of thing for your tabs. Like I've probably I've probably told you about a hundred. I used like tab extract and tab manager and uh Toby and one tab. I, I like managing my tabs. This one Yeah, I this like one was kind of uh one that I used once in a while, it was worth keeping around, but then all of a sudden uh not only Chrome started slowing down, but my whole computer was grinding to a halt. And I would usually see that Chrome was to blame, but no matter what I did, even like logging out of my Google sync and trashing like all preferences wasn't working. It did work if I removed all extensions. So then I started sure. re-enabling re them one by one. Uh, well, first I sat in terminal and grepped for various things, found nothing. Uh, the symptom that I finally noticed was on DuckDuckGo search pages, the top would have these really ugly ads and it would say rocket tab powered by advertise at the top. And it would basically just be inserting um, very poorly, uh, inserting uh, affiliate links into my search results. And turned out, oh, like, like, what, 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 what was the name of the Safari extension that did that? I don't remember what extension. Back, 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 back in like the 2008s, like back but, before Safari had a so, so this is the the kind of malware is called Rocket Tab, and mm -hmm. it has been around for that long. It has come through in many different um, permutations, not just in browsers either. So this is like these people keep succeeding somehow. Um, 
But so I got rid of that. But in the meantime, when I couldn't figure it out, I had switched to Firefox because I needed a browser with decent web development tools. And I had not tried Firefox for um, years, let's say Same. five years or more. And I don't know what all the progress was in between when I kind of just let it go. I didn't let it go because it sucked. I just like Chrome better. Now, I, Firefox is an amazing browser. It is. So it was their new version. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like version 56, I think, or 57. So it was recent. It was like October, I want to say, is when they had this quantum. That's what it was called. They had this huge overhaul of Firefox. Like they basically rebuilt it. And I tried it when that came out. And like you, I hadn't really used it in years. And, you know, um, I've never really liked it on on Mac, to be honest. Um, it's never been a first class citizen. Um, uh, you know, uh, Camino was, was always kind of the better gecko thing, although it didn't have the extension support, but I've never really liked it on Mac on windows though. Sometimes, you know, there were some good things with it. And so I tried it on windows first, but I've also tried it on Mac. I've been using it on Mac and it's really good. Like they, they had to do a ground up rewrite and they did a stellar job. I agree. I think in fact it there, I assume it's still using its own like non webkit Mozilla backend. Yes, but it's it's uh, a new one. It's not it's not Gecko anymore. But, I don't remember what it's but called. But its rendering is thus far in my testing, its rendering is on par with webkit or <laughs> or better than webkit as far as overall compatibility with like CSS3 etc. um that then I ever it's I, I don't know i'm kind of amazed i'm kind of shocked that no one told me sooner kind of like with visual code <laughs> why why wasn't yeah. this a bigger topic of conversation that's a really good ide yeah it's a fantastic <laughs> ide yeah no um and it was it was inquisitor was the safari plugin that i was okay. thinking of i that? don't uh, I think we wrote about it. It, it. it was kind of looked like um, like what Alfred kind of looks like now. Actually, you wrote about it. Inquisitor <laughs> raises some questions. <laughs> On a tip for a reader, I started a packet sniffer before I ran a search for Nintendo and Dave Watanabe's Inquisitor plugin for Safari. Sure enough, the first link presented was an Amazon link with an affiliate redirect. I'm not shouting anything about the sky falling. I actually think it's great when software developers find a way to provide amazing products to users for free. The case simply raises questions of transparency. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dave Watanabe. I haven't thought about him yeah. forever. Inquisitor though. You I know. actually um, totally forgot. Did I, that was me. I wrote that. That was you. Yeah. You wrote wow. that. Uh, when, back when I was young, bright eyed, yeah, hopeful. That was, yeah. That, 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 that was a uh, January of 2008. It was right after you started working. Like you hadn't been at, at TOEW for very that long. That was a full decade ago. Uh huh. Yeah. We were just uh-huh. kids then, Christina. You were just kids. This is when we were first, like, this is like we were first in each other's lives. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> that cracks me up. Oh I'm sorry. God. I know. No, no, no. Do I, you I remember this? No. Like, oh, I, you wrote about I, it. It's the top result I on Google. I knew that you did. I knew that you did because I wrote something about it too. And and I remember us talking about it. I just I just remember us talking about it. And and I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just remember this and, and it was just, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> That was that that came to my mind because I was like I'm almost positive that this was this was one that you did. Sure enough, um, you 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 remember yeah, my it, life better than I do. That's fascinating. Well, as, as I just remember stupid. To like, be fair, that's true of everyone who's ever known me. I do not have a great memory yeah. from my own life. 
but uh, but yeah, no, but 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 Firefox, it's you're right. I mean, like I hadn't. It's just really good. I mean, um, based on your suggestion, because I I don't agree with their business model at all, and and at all, and I don't really like the browser that much. But I I I've been using Brave on mobile. Yeah. I don't like it on desktop. Like I'm not Wait, like so whatever. You mean like, the like contribute uh, part of like affiliate sales to every reader? Which business model are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Because you have to opt into right. that, and I think it's messed up to steal ads from someone's website to strip them and then say, oh, but if you sign up with us and give us your banking information or you know what, not banking, but if you give us you know your business information, that we will at our discretion give you a percentage of this that people opt into. I, I just I personally have a problem with the company trying to be a for profit company that is literally making their money by stripping out someone else's advertising, putting in either their own advertising or, you know, some other things in there and then saying, Oh, but if you give us money, we'll distribute it, you know, based on the people who give us money and visit your website. Like I, I, I just, I, I would like, be curious to have this conversation because it seems like in the era of ad blocking, like people are going to block ads anyway, and they're finding a way I, to like, return the money to the people you actually wanted the money to go except, to except like i'm fine if like if you want to do a u block i'm fine if you want to build a browser that blocks ads and that's a feature i have a problem when you're raising money through an ico when your whole value proposition is we don't have ads and you're doing that by removing ways that other people are making money and might need to make money for for their own survival with and then you're saying oh but but if you give us money we'll give some of it back to you like i just have a problem when you're a for-profit enterprise doing that i have no problem if somebody wants to create an ad blocking plugin and especially if they want to make it non-profit and whatever but the same way i have a huge problem with adblock plus who you know has their own whitelist i have a problem like fundamentally with the the way that the brave is trying is claiming to be altruistic i just it just makes me feel gross as somebody who you know, used to make her a living because, you know, people bought advertising on websites that, that I wrote content sure. for. Like, I just, I, I feel like you can be against ad block. You can be for ad blocking, but not profit in this way. It's kind of the same way. I think that people kind of felt about readability um, and to a lesser extent, Instapaper where they're like, Oh, if you pay us money for this service and strip the ads, we'll give some of the money to people who sign up for us. It just feels like just own what you're doing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, 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 but that's either here or there. I've been using that on mobile though, because I don't know about you, but I've noticed like mobile, um, especially on Safari, like redirects to like, you've won, yeah, you know, whatever yeah. from Amazon and, and, and autoplay. Like it's just gotten so bad that I have to use and, and, and the ad blocker Safari things sometimes mess up other scripts. So I don't always have those enabled. So I I've been like, especially on my iPad, like using brave more and more, especially for sites that I know are going to give me problems. Um, so I don't know. I feel like though, um, and, and Firefox's um, um, uh, focus browser or whatever is, is for mobile is really good too. But, uh, but no, but the new Firefox, like, I don't know if this is, if Quantum's, if they're going to really actually be able to, to, you know, bite back any market share from Chrome. I kind of doubt it, but it's a really good browser and I'm really, really See, happy that they kept up. With I don't it. know because Chrome, like, universally is considered a huge cpu hog huge memory hog and and that's what led to firefox to begin with was that everybody got tired of internet explorer that is and true the the biggest the biggest reason people stick with chrome is well for developers the web inspector is top notch and yep. for everyone else the extensions library is extensive 
extensive extensions. Firefox has that already. They uh, like every every plugin I loved on Chrome, I immediately found either the same plugin or a, a better replacement on Firefox. And their web inspector yeah, is a- bar none amazing. Like I have, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly freaked out by how much better it is than either Safari or Chrome's web inspector. Yeah, no, they've done a really good job with it. And I would say like, you know, a few years ago when they made the big switch from their old um, plugin type to using kind of the Chrome plugin type, there was definitely a period of uh, a growing pains where developers were like not happy with that. But I think now that they've gotten through that, especially now that it has the new rendering engine and now that it's got the new kind of streamlined stuff and it's so much faster, it's become really good. And I, I, you're right. The web inspector is really, really good. And, and um, in, in running it, their, their tools are really running good. it for a week with all of the extensions that I was using on Chrome, uh, half the, half the CPU, half the memory over 24 hour periods. It doesn't crash my system. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely really happy with, uh, with it and 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 like I said, it's the first time I've I've really actually kind of liked it on um on Mac. Yeah. Because for me it's never been a good Mac browser ever. I never I never would have thought to try it if Chrome hadn't given me so much hassle and Safari had such a lack of extensions. <sighs> yeah, no, I know. Which is a shame because I think that what the Safari team is doing is actually really good. And I agree. Like they're doing some really really good stuff and 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 uh like, I think the uh, WebKit like my, my, my team friend is doing Ricky, good stuff. Go, yeah, that's what, well. Okay, that, that okay, fair. But if you like my, um, you know, like my my friend Ricky like does like a really good job with, uh, with stuff, and, and and I really appreciate what they're doing. But it is, it is hard because, um, the developers just don't seem to care, like the community for whatever reason. And you're you're you know web developer. Why why do people not care? Like why all these years later have, have people, you know, forsaken I think it's a marketing safari. Uh, so and not so much marketing like on, on Firefox part, but uh, things in the developer world. No, 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 it means, no, it means Safari. Oh, part. oh, well, yeah. Safari gets ignored a lot just because it's the default yeah, why, why browser. Uh, I, I, I think for developers, because it doesn't have some of the very vital extensions that Chrome does have for developers, even yeah, though the web okay, inspector so is great that- in Safari and, and it's for a while now been better than Chrome's, uh, although a little annoying in certain areas, uh, it hasn't been enough to make anyone prefer to use Safari over Chrome, especially since by and large, the rendering is exactly the same. If it works in Chrome, it'll work in Safari. Yeah, I would also say that even though Chrome is a huge resource hog, for whatever reason, Safari has, for the last few years, and the, and the WebKit team is doing great stuff, um, but it feels like Safari, for whatever reason, has just been slower. Slower than Chrome? Like it or never slower feel- than sorry, yeah. Safari used to be? I don't find it slower than Chrome. I think even now. I find it I find it slower than it used to be, but I do, it, it's still, if Chrome is slowing down, I just, uh, my first instinct is just kick up Safari. Yeah. Well, yeah, partly, partly because the web but inspector no, is very, very similar. So it doesn't affect my workflow yeah, but, as but much. Now, but, but now we have a... Firefox. 
now we have Firefox. Yeah, let's keep each other posted on how this uh, kind of experiment goes. It'll be fun. Yeah, no, let's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because, because, uh, yeah, I, I never, I didn't think that I would become like. <laughs> you didn't think yet. that you would start working for Microsoft and subsequently become a Firefox fan. Uh, this is true. This is true. And you know what? I will say it now talk about ignored and talk about, you know, there are obviously problems about the wigwing, but I will say that the, the edge team, I know a lot of those guys and girls and they work really hard. Do I need to give edge and a shot? They're too? trying. I would give it a shot on windows it's not good enough yet to be like your, it's not even that it's not good enough. It's that nobody, it's the people don't keep in mind the rendering engine differences. So people don't, people will write for Chrome and not write for standards. And that becomes an issue, but it's fast. And the PDF, I have to say, I think the PDF rendering and some of that stuff is the best out there. All right. I'll keep it in mind. I will say too that, and one password works with it now, um, which it and has for the last few months. And that was, a huge um, thing for me once sure. 1Password support came. Uh, speaking of 1Password for Windows, they just got a new feature in their betas, which I'm so happy about. Get Windows Hello support. And so Windows Hello is basically FaceTime or a Face ID. And so you can unlock 1Password with your face the same way that you can on a Touch Bar Mac with your fingerprint. Nice. Or on an iPhone. Which is really 10. great. Because, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but it, so it works with the Windows Hello now, which That's is cool. So convenient. I love those guys. If you've got a long password, I do too. But it was just, it was one of those things where I saw the update come in on my service book and I was like, <gasps> yes. Sweet. All right. Well, hey, good luck with your, uh, your medication ch changes. I hope they don't end up being Thank too, you. Good luck with uh, too, too much of a tribulation for you. And good luck with, uh, with, with continuing the, 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 the no smoking uh, thing. Cause that's, cause that's, yeah, a lot. we should check in soon. Maybe we should say we'll we'll yeah, check it check in it one soon. week and then it'll only be two weeks. Yes, let's do that. That sounds good because we <laughs> definitely need to check in before I go to Brazil. <laughs> right. How long are you going to be in Brazil? Uh, I'm not sure. A, a few days. I'm going to be speaking at a conference um, in the middle of April. Uh, I just found out. So, yay! That's yeah. exciting. I've, I've never done it. I've never done an international keynote before. So that's really exciting. I was supposed to do one last year and I got sick and wasn't allowed to fly. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Very cool. Oh, I guess Singleton counts, but but Singleton, that's Montreal. This is like flying to like another continent. <laughs> this is like flying to another continent. Nice. So. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I will I will schedule something with you. We'll see how it goes. We won't make promises. But in the meantime, I, I do hope you get some sleep. Thank you. You too, Brett. The system is going down low.